game. The offense is running through me right now. Irving drives, hop step inside, floats it up, misses. Rebound taken by Iguodala. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James with the re- Oh, my goodness. Great pass by Curry, running hard by Iguodala. And superhuman defensive recovery by LeBron James. How are you guys doing? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Lost Art Podcast. My name is Drew and I am your host. Today I got a couple things planned for you guys. First, I'll probably talk a little bit about LeBron James and Lonzo Ball both being out and what that means for the Los Angeles Lakers going forward. Um, a little bit about the Kyrie situation. I know it's been discussed a lot over the last couple of days, but, um, you know, just diving into it and giving my perspective on that topic. Also, the return of Boogie Cousins and what that means for the Warriors championship aspirations. All that and more coming to you soon. But first... Had to get my had to get my had to get my numbers up. Last time went enough, so I had to double up. They was never down for me till they see me coming up. Now they wanna be one of us. Cause I got the city jumping like a double dust. Shorty looking like she got a tummy tuck. And a butt shot the way that Hi everybody, welcome back. This is a good week for basketball news, so I'm gonna go ahead and dive into it. Um I think I wanna start off talking about the um the Marcus Cousins situation. In my opinion, this kind of um, it doesn't really like to me change the the outcome of the NBA. Um, I still had the Warriors winning the championship, um, and I still did have you know them facing the Raptors in my prediction. But I mean this this like I said this just further drives home the point that the Warriors are the most dominant team we've ever seen. Um, the the Raptors don't stand a chance, especially with Demarcus Cousins. What was he at? Like maybe thirty percent, forty percent of the player that we've seen him be. I mean, he still ran kind of funny. Uh, you can see he got tired out pretty fast. But in that Warriors game, I mean, he kind of had no problem doing what he's been doing for his whole career. He was hitting threes, which is crazy to see. Um, that opens up a whole new dynamic. But I'll jump into that later. But he looked good. You know, I'm happy for Boogie. You know, I'm a Lakers fan. And I'll go on record to say that um, I was one of those Lakers fans who would say, basically, you know, don't don't get boogie um, in the offseason. You know, Achilles injuries. We had just came off that whole Kobe situation. Um, I mean, looking back at that, I, I get why I was saying that. But at the same time, the, the Warriors did basically get him for free. What is he like making about six million dollars, which is nothing in today's NBA. Um, it, it's, it's, it's crazy to value that that they're getting for him. Um, and I, like I said, I'm happy for him. Um, you know, injuries are tough. You know, you never want to see uh, one of our best players go out with injuries. Um, I don't think he'll resign in the offseason. So this to me is not like a, a wild, like, you know, people call it unfair, which it may be a little bit unfair, but it's not like a wild thing. I mean, the Warriors want to win the championship anyway, you know. This is just kind of one of those things where, you know, Boogie comes to a low-pressure situation. He gets to play himself into shape. Um, I didn't expect him to be back this early. I thought it would happen after All-Star break. So all of this is kind of just free reps up until um, the playoffs for him. Um, it's funny. He had, what, 14 points in 15 minutes. So he, he didn't really play that much. He fouled out in 15 minutes, which is hilarious to see. Um, but he looked good for the most part. Um, they were able to dump him the ball down low a couple times. 
and and kind of just let him make things happen, you know, get fouled, just play that bully ball. And while watching the game, um, it wasn't like, you know, like he was dominant on defense, but he was, you know, sliding the spots and, you know, at least contesting a little bit. Um, his lift is, is, isn't is there, but I don't know if that's the Achilles or if that's like, you know, his, um, you know, just not being in shape. He's still probably got to lose like some weight. Um, that's probably going to just play himself into shape. But either way, he looked good. Um, and... Um, but one dynamic that I was I was talking about on Twitter when it was happening is um, the scoring is nice. You know, the threes are nice. Any defense you get from him is nice. But I feel like his passing ability opened. Uh, it's a little underrated, you know. It opens up a lot for that Warriors offense. And I feel like that's going to be the most important thing. Um, a couple times last night, he was able to make those reads out of the high post, uh, make those reads out of the low post, um, hitting, like, you know, hitting the shooters on the perimeter, hitting uh, Draymond or Katie, like, you know, doing that split cut to the basket. Um but he looks good, and it's like I said, it's it's dope to see him be able to come back this early and be able to be in like a low pressure, happy situation. Um, you see, the bench was going crazy for him. Basically, everything he did. Um, but I feel like the passing was the most important thing. That's something that the other, um, that's something that the other players just can't can't offer. Um, the other centers on that roster, you know, Kevon Looney, um, Jordan Bale, they're both, you know, high energy. You know, they're, they're pretty good in their in, in what they're asked to do. Um, but Boogie being able to make those passes and hit threes will be able to open up that offense a lot more. Because now you can't really play off anybody but Draymond. And he's, he's you know, he's capable of knocking that outside shot. It's been pretty broke this year, but he's capable of making that outside shot. Um, and then Boogie, you know, looks like he's going to be comfortable he's going to get so many more open shots too but he's going to be comfortable stretching the floor out to the three-point line and, and hitting threes that that's not going to be like any issue for him um and then with the passing he'll probably average you know average four maybe five assists uh i don't know maybe that much because i don't know how many minutes he's going to be playing but like i said he's going to be um be able to make those passes make those reads that the other uh, centers on the roster um can't make and one concern you know if i can nitpick um is that he doesn't seem to be able to move very well in the um in open space guarding like a guard on a switch i don't know how the warriors plan on doing that if they do plan on um you know normally they do switch everything one through five and kind of just uh trust their big man out on the perimeter um or you know they play Draymond at the five you know he's capable of keeping up with those guards on the perimeter so like i said it'll be interesting to see how how um how boogie does you know when he plays against like a, a james harden or james harden basically forces you to switch and can attack you um you know will he be able to play down the stretch in playoffs or will he be able to you know consistently um make plays on a perimeter defensively will be something that we kind of just have to see um you know if he can't then you know he won't be able to be like as dominant but still on offense they'll be able to make up for a, a lot of it um i know like the what the first play of the game he got like a pick and roll with kd um it's kind of like how do you stop that you know he, he's he's capable of popping he's capable of rolling um it's kind of hard to stop that and you know, as time goes on, it's just funny to see that um, you know the Warriors are going to continue on this run, and like you know, every year we kind of talk ourselves into into um, you know maybe this team has a chance. It kind of can compare it over to what just happened um, yesterday in the NFL, um, where Tom Brady's back in the finals, and we all kind of talked ourselves into all these reasons why maybe the Chiefs could do it, and maybe. You know, maybe uh, the Chargers can knock them out, and and maybe you know a whole bunch of maybes, and it, it just didn't happen. I think the Warriors are are primed to be on this run for a long time, as long as you know Katie and um 
to me, as long as the KD and Steph are there, um, and I don't see Draymond or, or I don't see Clay leaving, actually. Draymond maybe, but I don't see Clay leaving. Um, but as long as Steph and KD are there, I think they'll be able to just kind of run this off um, and, and ride this to the wheels uh, fall off. But, I mean, that's all I really had to say about um, DeMarcus Cousins. kind of want to just open up with him, um, you know, can give him congratulations. Um, you know, like I said, no matter how you feel about the Warriors, um, I know a lot of people, especially on Twitter, hate the Warriors for their dominance, kind of feel like it's a little unfair. Um, you know, like I said, it's always dope to see one of our, our best players be back in the game. So, you know, shout out Boogie Cousins and, and shout out the Warriors. Um, but now I can go ahead and, and jump into what I think is probably the main, um, especially in Lakerland, the main topic that's been um, uh, this, the story of the year, kind of, with this injury problems. Um, Lonzo Ball just got injured. Um, he just had a sprayed ankle, a grade three ankle sprain. Um and I believe with the the amount of time they told him to, uh, it would take was four to six weeks. I'm gonna go ahead and confirm that, but I believe it was four to six weeks. Um, and I mean, it's like now the Lakers are down to to zero point guards on the roster. Um, you know, Rondo's down, Bonga. You know, I mean, he's G League. Um, Caruso's G League. LeBron is kind of a de facto point guard. He, he's out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the the lineup the Lakers roll out there with. Um, I don't know, maybe Ingram at the one. I, I know that's not really like a great thing. I believe he averages like, you know, 2.3 assists and 2.3 turnovers. Like, you know, he's not really that, that guy to be able to um, play make heavily. It has gotten a little bit better, though, since he's been um, forced to do it this year a little bit more. Um, it's gotten a little bit better. Um, but like I said, I, I don't trust him to be your primary ball handler um, for that long of a time. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, the injury, the launch ball injury is four to six weeks. And it's a little interesting, though, that um, – is that short for a grade three sprain? Um, as the Lakers review on Twitter, um, at the Lakers review, they were um, they brought up that Reggie Jackson. Um, so last season he had the same grade three ankle sprain, and I know you know it's kind of hard to compare injuries. Um, normally, you know everybody's different, of course. You know everybody's body reacts differently. Um, but just for like a reference, it's kind of cool though. Um, you know, or just something like to look to look at how other players did when they came back you know it's just something we do but um yeah Reggie Jackson last season suffered a grade three ankle sprain um and he missed 11 weeks and he missed 37 games so that's about half the time that the Lakers are, are saying that Lonzo Ball is going to be out um and this has been a little bit of a topic because the Lakers also mentioned before you know they gave a timetable on LeBron and then that timetable changed as we got closer to the, the day he's supposed to be coming back so now it's kind of like he's on his day-to-day -day type of thing and it's been like a, I don't want to call it like a rumor, but it's just been like a little rumbling, people talking a little bit about um, the Lakers possibly like underselling the severity of the injuries. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, yeah, it, it, it seems like to be like the maybe the Lakers are, are underselling, like I said, underselling how severe Lonzo's injury is. Um, hopefully, you know, as a fan, um, you know, he's back before then, um, you know, back before 11 weeks, something ridiculous like that. But like I said, they said four to six weeks. So I guess we kind of just have to wait and see on that. Um, but, you know, if you're listening to this and it's getting closer to that six week and it seems that, you know, he's not coming back or he's not getting, you know, the, the timetable hasn't updated. Just just remember this, you know, remember this. And also um, another person just to reference was uh, Della Dova, uh, Matthew Della Dova. 
Um, he also had a grade three ankle sprain last season. He missed nine weeks. So, I mean, both of them missed almost double the time that the Lakers are predicting that Lonzo will miss. Um, and he yeah, he missed 29 games. So this happened to him last season. Um, like I said, you can never really fully predict how this is going to go. Um, everybody's, you know, grade three ankle sprains are, are, are differently, uh, are different, but it, it'll just be something to, to, to keep in the back of your mind. Because like I said, with the whole LeBron thing, um, there was also like another report I saw, um, from Brandon Robinson on Twitter, um, Scoop B at Scoop B. Um, he talked about, um, his Lakers source. I don't know how reliable he is, but you know, he has a check mark. Um, and he seems sometimes to, to, to know what he's talking about. Um, he seems to have some type of sources. Um, but he said LeBron could rush back at the return of, um, to return at the end of January, or he could even sit out even longer, um, into the end of February. So like I said, I don't know how true this report is, but that's two instances where we see that the Lakers maybe are underselling the severity of of the the injuries that their players are are having. Um, and in my opinion, um, Lonzo and LeBron are probably the two most important players on the roster. Uh, Kuzma somewhere in there to where um, you know they need that that scoring. But um, as from a playmaking's perspective, um, Lonzo, Rondo, and and LeBron are are the three most important pieces and they're going to be without them for I'll say maybe at least another week because the LeBron thing is hopefully coming to an end. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a rough, a rough couple games without them. Um, as far as options, I don't know. They don't, I don't think picking up a free agent is the, the answer. I don't know if bringing Caruso is up the answer. They might just roll with the guys they got, maybe pick up a, a veteran, um, a veteran point guard that's you know somewhere on the waivers. I don't know, but it'll just be interesting this to see. Um, you know what the 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 Lakers do. Um, as a fan, I, I believe we've dropped out of the playoffs now. Um, we kind of go up and down between the ninth and eighth seed, depending on like how the Clippers do or how the. Um, but I know the Clippers just lost today to no, just beat the Spurs today. Um, so let me just take a look at this before I tell you guys. Um, oh yeah, yep. So the Lakers are currently the ninth seed, um, right sandwiched between the LA Clippers who are the eighth seed and Sacramento Kings who are the tenth seed. Um, so like I said, it's not looking looking pretty in, in Laker land. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and jump into my next topic. everybody welcome back um i did mention before that i wanted to talk a little bit about the situation that was going on in in boston um with the Kyrie irving and you know just this whole media thing he seemed to be putting on um i did mention before how um you know last week episode about you know the turmoil seems to be happening and Kyrie kind of cleared that up a little bit but it's just funny because every time he seems like he's trying to say something good, it seems like it's kind of backfiring. Um, but he came out basically two things um, I want to talk about. One, when he came out and said, um, you know, Le- he talked to LeBron James and, you know, he basically gave an apology about, um, you know, how how he wasn't really. He was like that young knuckleheaded kid who wouldn't listen to the, the you know, the whole cliche type of thing. You know, you don't really know what what's what's going on you don't even know how hard it is to be a leader of men and Kyrie seems to be learning that the hard way this season um 
And that's, you know, that that's a good sign of maturity. Um, it's pretty dope that he, he reached out to LeBron, kind of made it that little whatever was going on between them. Um, but it also it's also funny to just point out how he kind of uh, threw his teammates a little bit under the bus, threw the young guys under the bus with that whole, like, you know, um, basically telling them that they need to listen to him. Uh, that's, the, that's the way it comes, it boils down to where he's like, yeah, you like, I was basically that young knucklehead. You guys are being a young knucklehead. I'm a champion. Listen to me. I know what I'm doing. And, you know, it kind of just depends on what type of person you are. It kind of per- is the way you'll take that. Um, in my opinion, Kyrie probably meant no harm, but it's kind of like he doesn't really know what he's saying when he's saying it. Um, and I guess we'll just have to see, you know, if this is something that's going to, like I said before, something that's going to, like, rally, they're going to rally behind or. I don't know, but Kyrie's kind of looking like he's a little bit of, uh, um, in over his head. And the way um, he's talking about it is it kind of reminds me of the situation where um, we saw earlier this season where the, the Bulls players, remember, they, they basically decided that they're going to sit out and they weren't going to um, they weren't gonna practice. And they, Jim Bowens, like their coach, who was funny that they extended him, but he's kind of like, you know, back in San Antonio, this is how we did it, you know. Well, Pop did it like this, and they're like, you're not Pop. Basically, that's what they told him. You're not Pop. Um, stop it. And I feel like LeBron, uh, sorry, Kyrie's doing the same exact thing where he's like, you know, back in Cleveland, um, you know, back in Cleveland, I was I was, I was, was that guy, and LeBron told me this, and LeBron told me that, and, and Le- LeBron, you know, and it's like, all right, you're, you're not LeBron. Um, stop. And it's just funny to see, like, these situations where, where players are kind of it's kind of trying to replicate something that you know you learn, which I, which like you know to me it's not it's not a bad thing that Kyrie's doing this. Like he's trying to be, trying to be a leader. Um, I don't know if he can teach leadership, but you got to give a guy credit for you know trying to be the leader. And these are situations where we run into a lot in the NBA where the most talented guy may not be ready to lead. Which is there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. You know, leaders are kind of born i know it's a little cliche but either a leader or you're not um so Kyrie's, in in my opinion one of the what 10 most talented players on the planet um but sometimes you, you don't need to be that 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 guy you know you don't need to be that that leader that 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 vocal leader um he might be the guy that just needs to lead by example and, and have you know maybe the the veterans like you know al horford and gordon hayward and maybe just a coach and staff you know step forward and and take that 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 leadership role when it comes to um you know just speaking out especially when it comes to speaking to the media you would think that Kyrie will be a little bit more media savvy um than this but i mean you know he did apologize too um i want to just go ahead and, and bring that up he did apologize for his statements that he did before when he was talking about the um, you know, he basically said he wouldn't throw his guys under the bus anymore. He wouldn't bring them out. But then it's funny because right after that, he goes to the whole, like, the young guys don't really kind of basically tell him that they don't really know what it takes to, to be a champion, um, which is fair. They did do pretty well without him, but, like, they didn't make the championship. So he has a valid point. He's the only one um, on that roster who's been to the championship, I want to say. Um, Al Horford has some, like, Eastern Conference Finals experience. Um you know, and then of course, you know, all everybody that, that made that run last year um, has one year of Eastern Conference Finals experience, and they were one game away from from going to the championship. But I mean, you know, almost doesn't really count. Uh, Kyrie's been there. Kyrie's hit big shots in the finals. Kyrie took down one of the 
if not the greatest team of all time in the finals. So he has some valid points, but he needs to do a better job of just coming across as, um, you know, like it's not even about being light, just about being like kind of respectful towards um, towards everybody on the roster. Um, but like I said, we'll see what this leads into. We'll see if the the Celtics rally around with, with Kyrie Irving and Sand, or we'll see if this kind of comes back to bite him in the butt. Um, but one thing I just want to you know leave you guys with is that um, you know uh, just because just because you think you should be leading, or just because you think that you should be the guy in a situation to to call somebody out. Um, sometimes it's best to just just sit back and, and let your game do the talking. One thing I've noticed over these last couple weeks watching the NBA, um, it seems like a lot of people are underselling what James Harden is doing. Um, I know I did already discuss this on the previous podcast about you know I have him as a front runner for 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 MVP. And it's it's kind of funny to see all the the other you know opinions of people who think that somebody else has a serious case for MVP right now. Um, but that's kind of not the the point I wanted to make. What I really 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 wanted to to discuss is that um, I think as fans we we ran into something that I like to call um, greatness fatigue. Uh, we did already hear before um, about something called voter fatigue. You know where where Jordan was supposed to win the, the more MVPs than he had. LeBron's supposed to win more MVPs. Uh, Kobe's supposed to win more MVPs. Um, Shaq, you know, players like that where we all know that they were the most dominant players. But for some reason, you know, uh, the voters kind of didn't want to give them the give the same guys the, the MVP trophy every year, no matter how dominant they were. And, um, and we saw this in the case with LeBron where he's he puts up amazing numbers all the time and it's kind of not that big of a deal anymore. But more recent, um, just three guys I wanted to just talk about with this greatness fatigue thing. Um, Stephen Curry, James Harden, and then Russell Westbrook. And um, I know Russell Westbrook is, gets a lot of hate now. Um, but when you look at what he's doing, like he's averaging a triple-double for going on the third straight season. Something that we have never seen. Something that this generation has never seen. Just let that sink in. He's averaging a triple-double three years in a row. And yet, all people talk about, and I'll take some credit, I mean, some some slack for this. Um, I do, you know, be on Twitter talking trash about him, uh, shooting percentages. Uh, I still think he... It's not the shooting percentages. So I'm not really one of those people that kind of like, oh, you know, he shot this true shooting percentage and, you know, his effective field goal percentage. But it's like when you watch him play, it's like, all right, Russell, Russell Westbrook, like stop taking pull-up mid-range jumpers. Stop taking contested threes. Like you're doing more harm than good. Um, I feel like the sooner he realizes that Paul George is the number one scoring option on that team, the better it'll be for him and the better it'll be um, for the team. Um, just two examples. The Lakers game that we just saw, and then a the game right after that was the the game against Philadelphia. Um, down the stretch, Westbrook took some bad shots. I believe Paul George he what shot like maybe two shots in that in that fourth quarter, um, and the Thunder ended up losing. And then against Philly, we saw the exact opposite. We saw the way things look when Paul George gets the ball. He hit a game winning three and got fouled um, in the last couple seconds of the game, and the OKC won. 
and Westbrook, I believe, took under 20 shots, um, which seems to be like the the magic number for him where, you know, the more shots he takes, the, the worse the team does. Um, and the less shots he takes, the more he's focusing on just distributing and passing the ball and getting others involved and getting rebounds and, you know, pushing pushing into people's faces, trying to get fouled, which I don't understand why he doesn't drive a lot more. He's the most athletic point guard ever, him and D. Rose. I mean, you know. And maybe some of that, that athleticism is diminished. Um, that's, all, that's always a possibility. You never really know. But, I mean, he still looks to be able to get wherever he wants on the floor. He just kind of looks like he wants to get to the elbow a lot more than than he needs to like he he wants to get that pull-up jumper um he did work on it he did add that to his game it seems to kind of gone away from him so to me he should go back to his roots of just attacking relentlessly and he's still be able to you know get his 20 points and 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 get an average triple double but let me just go ahead and get back to what i was talking about about greatness fatigue where we kind of need to learn to appreciate these guys when they're doing it um when steph was hitting all the threes um uh, just whenever Steph is hitting a lot of threes, I get on Twitter and I just scroll. You know, some people, because uh, I follow a lot of people from Oakland, probably about half my um, timeline, if not more, are rooting for the Warriors, are rooting, going crazy about Steph hitting these threes. And every once in a while, these tweets come across my timeline. Um, one example, you guys are still excited about Steph Curry hitting threes? That's all he does. Or Steph Curry hitting threes is, is not exciting anymore do something else and it's just like you just sit there and like what are we doing like what what are we really doing where we're not excited when a guy's getting a triple double anymore that's pure greatness we're not excited when a guy's hitting like seven eight 30 foot threes off the dribble because they do it so much why are we so unappreciative of what these guys are doing I don't understand. Like, when they're gone, we're probably going to look back and say, you know, tell our kids and, you know, oh, yeah, back in my day and, it's, you know, back in my day, Steph Curry was this. And we're like, we're looking we're looking at the greatest shooter of all time, the most athletic point guard of all time. And then my third person was James Harden, probably the greatest scorer of all time. Uh, I don't know if I want to give him that title yet, but I would just say one of the five best scoring stretches one of the top five best scoring stretches that we've ever seen is is happening right before our eyes, and people are complaining that he's all he does is take step back threes and get fouled. And then it's funny because the same people that complain are the same analytic people who who will harp on the fact that those are the most efficient shots in basketball: the three and the free throw. So you have both sides of the coin where it's like we're upset that he's figured out a way to basically break the game. And he's firstly unguardable, um, but he's figured out a way to break the game. Him and Steph have figured out a way to break the game of basketball, and people are upset with it. And I don't understand the point of having greatness if people don't appreciate it. Um, And I think, like, James Harden... Um, his unassisted numbers, basically, his unassisted points have gone to like 160-something points in a row that have not been assisted on, which is ridiculous. Basically, he's creating every single one of his points. No teammates are finding him for a backdoor lob. 
No females are no teammates are finding him for a, a three in a corner. Like he's literally creating everything for that entire offense for himself and for others. And people are finding out a way to diminish what he's doing. And to me, that's that's like I don't know. I don't understand it. What, what's the point of having greatness if, if it's not something that that you're going to 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 appreciate? You know, like well, Russell Westbrook with Steph Curry and when James Harden are doing are some of the best stretches of basketball I've ever seen and you have ever seen, whether you want to admit it or not. These are the best stretches of basketball that's, that an individual player has ever done. We've never seen anybody shoot at the volume and at the percentages that Steph shoots at. We've never seen somebody do what James Harden's doing as far as orchestrating an entire NBA offense to its peak, winning games, and dropping basically 50 points every game. He, he's he's When I see 40 points now, it's not even exciting anymore, which is ridiculous to think about. But it's not even, it's whatever. It's like when you see Steph hit seven threes or when you see Russell Westbrook get a triple-double, when you look at the stat sheet, you're not surprised anymore. And to me, that's scary because it shows that we're not appreciative or maybe we're just not understanding the greatness when it's happening. Um, you know, when you look back at old clips of like Jordan or Kobe or something like that or Shaq, you know, we are like, oh my God, they were so dominant. But then we're seeing dominance right before our eyes and it's like we're not processing just what exactly is going on. And maybe that's just a human flaw, you know. Maybe we can't understand understand greatness until it's over, um, until we compare it to somebody else. But these are, like I said, the most dominant stretches of basketball that we've ever seen from an individual player, three individual players, but James Harden in particular. And for some reason, we aren't appreciative. And I feel like as fans, we kind of need to, to reel it back in and take a look at ourselves sometimes too and realize that, you know, sometimes, just maybe sometimes, we don't really know what we're talking about. As I close out today's episode, I just want to, you know, give you guys a thanks for, for taking the time out of there to give me a listen. As always, any subscriptions, any comments, anything will be greatly appreciated. Um, I am starting school next week, um, so I'll see about this this uploading schedule. I'll keep you guys updated. You know, I've been trying to get one out every week. Um, it was you know the week the weekend of football. Sunday was football day, so I kind of pushed this one to Monday. Um, happy Marlon the King Junior Day to everybody listening. But like I said, um, thank you guys for taking the time out of the day to give me a listen. As always, it is much appreciated. Until next time. Yo, had to get my, had to get my, had to get my numbers up Last time wasn't enough, so I had to double up They was never down for me till they see me coming up Now they won't be one of us Cause I got the city jumping like a double dust Shorty looking like she got a tummy tuck And a butt shot, the way that thing poke out Fiend know you know now Used to post on the block with the four pounds